0: a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the panda baba to my Dr. Evazon, it's John Campbell.
1: Hello. Uh, I am always uh, tickled by your uh, deep Star Wars references, and always, uh, and I'm never quite sure whether I should be offended by what you're saying, so...
0: And I, I think, I'm going to make this a regular thing. John, do you know what I'm referencing?
1: You know, this. Uh, it sounds familiar, but not uh, not specifically. Oh, oh wait, wait, okay. wait, wait. Are these, the, these huh? the at the cantina?
0: They are indeed the two who accost Luke at the cantina. I knew, I job, knew that John. one
1: of them had a doctorate, which never made any sense.
0: <laughs> well, he's a rogue doctor, so it's fine.
1: There's a few of those running around the Star Wars universe.
0: There are indeed, it's true. Uh, but we will get to a spot in the story in which a certain Pandababa and Dr. Evazon maybe should have been, but were uh, mysteriously not here today what? because... <laughs> We are talking, of course, about the the earliest iterations of Star Wars comics here on the show, for now, anyway, and uh, we started back at the beginning, back where it all started in 1977 with the release of Star Wars by Marvel Comics Group. Mm-hmm. Last week we talked about number one, this week, wouldn't you know it, we're talking about number two. I don't think
1: anybody saw that and
0: coming. Uh, whether or not this issue is a number two, I think is something we will discuss going forward because there are some interesting little, uh, bits to this that I I find fascinating given that this was released in 1977. Mm. Um, but as always, I'm going to. Uh, we have Roy Thomas still as the writer. We have uh, Howard Chakin as the penciler. We've got uh, Steve Lealora as the inker and colorist, and Tom Orszakowski as the letterer.
1: Yeah, we lost Marie Severin. I guess she had better yes. things to do miss <laughs> <Just> anything. Well... <laughs> it wouldn't be better than her
0: coloring this. It's... I mean, I don't know if the colors have gotten worse or better in this issue. It's tough to say. I can tell you right now the inks have not necessarily improved because we still got a real bad case of old man Luke I, going on here. Oh
1: God. Well, except yeah, yeah, he, he fluctuates about twenty years in age between panels depending on what's going on. Um
0: <laughs> And we'll get to the the uh panel with him with no eyebrows looking like some kind of strange mutant. There's
1: a lot of weird Luke expressions throughout this issue in particular. Uh I do think the colors are more consistent, if not better here, and I think that mm. may just be a case of this This person, uh, uh, Steve uh, Lola, may have had more time is the only thing I can think of or something like, or more ability to focus. Marie Severin may have been doing other books or something.
0: Well, as we talked about last time, it really does feel like these issues, especially these first six, which are just a uh, retreading of a new hope in terms of their story beats, Basically. were a rush job across the board because they were rushing to get this out once it became very, very clear that Star Wars was a massive hit.
1: Oh, definitely. They're they are striking while the iron's hot here. And I, dude, we got to talk about this cover because this cover
0: all right let's uh let's bring us into the cover uh let's uh, pull up the cover then there it is
1: this cover is crazy town man especially if you know that where is the the, for such a minor interaction in the movie it i don't remember a full-on fucking murderous brawl in star wars good lord
0: for, for those uh, just listening to the podcast version, um, we have a a full Donnybrook has broken out oh, in the cantina the sequence on this cover,
1: and uh, we got we got. <laughs> I mean, look at this! Look at the murderous intent on Obi One and Luke's faces here. They are here to drop bodies, baby.
0: The the cover has Luke and Obi-Wan surrounded by murderous aliens in the cantina scene with Luke at the center, blaster drawn, saying, swing that lightsaber, Ben, or we're finished.
1: Skywalker strikes back, it says, which is interesting (laughs) that they use the term strikes back, of course, because they,
0: yeah, Uh, of course. And again, really tipping the hand here that they hadn't actually seen the movie when drawing a lot of this. We have Obi-Wan Kenobi with this bright pink lightsaber yeah. in the center of all of this. And he's
1: just swinging away. He's already cut this dude's throat. This guy's throwing his beard in the air, And Luke <laughs> is using a blaster I've never seen before in the world of Star Wars in terms of design. And uh, and he's just yeah shooting, shooting a dude right in the heart.
0: Did Luke ever have a handheld blaster in the entirety of the original trilogy? I'm trying to remember. Yes. He he got a Stormtrooper blaster later, but did he ever just have a, a single-handed blaster? He does. Uh,
1: he does. He, uh, 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 well, he carries one, uh, he has one on Dagobah with him because he pulls...
0: Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. And then he has it on Cloud City yeah. later.
1: I think he's got, like, uh, like any pilot would have, like, a sidearm, um... But yeah, he's, mm, he's mm-hmm. just stealing a, uh, in the first movie, the only blaster we see him shoot is a, a stormtrooper rifle, which he's shooting like a handgun, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting.
0: <laughs> well, you got to figure with those, uh, hyper condensed gas pellets that those blasters shoot, they don't have a ton of kickback. I always like when people
1: try to, the, the reasoning behind blasters and phasers and stuff is always like, you know, <laughs> the less we get into it, the better, I think, uh, But a whole cadre of bizarre alien designs are around them here.
0: Uh, Yes and no, which I find very fascinating because we have quite a few alien design series that will show up in Star Wars down the line, which makes me wonder whether or not they are things that were like in McCreary's original artwork, which some of them are yeah. like the guy with the horns. There is a, is a grottle. He'll be a, a staple alien that you see in the background of a lot of star Wars. stuff. Yeah. And
1: I, like this bat creatures dead on the ground. I've seen those before the guy getting like mm-hmm. the, yes, they all read a star Wars. It's just uh, none of them in the cantina scene in the movie. Certainly.
0: Uh, and uh, some of them are the guy with the horns definitely is prune face. Definitely is the guy on the right side yeah, there. Right. Um, the, the, the spider face guy is probably actually a artistic interpretation of Ponda Baba. The, the Aqualish yeah. character that assaults Luke.
1: Yeah, who's for some reason stolen Spider-Man's costume on this cover.
0: Well, look, it is Marvel comics. <laughs> yeah, the
1: coloring, which... the coloring gives that away. Cause the guy getting shot also has the same blue and red coloring of the Spider-Man kind of, uh, Mm-hmm, oh so, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Luke Skywalker's. By the way, Luke Skywalker strikes back against who?
0: Well, let's get into this comic and get into right, it because we? right out this front page, we see that Luke Skywalker is in fact struck down, as we remember last time.
1: <laughs> Boy, I will just say the the <laughs> beloved hero of our the greatest space man <laughs> of all time just mouth agape, unconscious. Un- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Good. Uh, I I do want to highlight the Star Wars "quote unquote" logo oh, at the top of this page because it is very clear. By the time they were working out the layouts to this issue, they did not have an actual logo sent to them yet, so they just kind of had to make one up it's, when pr- it, putting to this, together this page.
1: It is lame. <laughs>
0: Yeah, with a little the actual star shape in the A's in both words. Yeah, I don't know know uh, what's
1: dumber the star. Well, the star shapes are pretty bad, or the speed lines,
0: because it's in space, John, and space goes fast. The letters are going. Um,
1: but Stan presents it, folks.
0: Yeah, well, Stanley was presenting a lot of things back then. I
1: was. I think I saw that.
0: Because if you remember, last issue we left off with Luke getting assaulted by the Tuscan Raiders as he tried to track down R2-D2. So we pick up right there with the uh, the, the desert-dwelling uh, sand people, as they are called uh, in this and the movie. The
1: sinister sand people, as it says here. Yeah, they
0: yeah. They're really
1: trying to let you know, and I will say, even the design of them, the... The face masks have a little bit more like of a fang design here with the red on it. They, they want them mm-hmm. to be a little bit more dangerous. Not that they're not dangerous in the movie, but, you know. I mean, we certainly have seen enough Star Wars now that you and I have come to realize the Tusken Raiders are really misunderstood and people are kind of invading their land and maybe they have a reason to be pissed off.
0: Yeah, well, they absolutely have a reason to be pissed off. When this floofy-haired dandy comes into their territory and starts uh, spying on them, they decide that this kid's got to learn a lesson. So they do the proper thing and just knock him the fuck out. Yep.
1: Uh, And as it says here, they're not even interested in killing him. They're more interested in stripping this landspeeder until a woo girl shows up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... In the movie, we have this uh, this strange scene that has been altered quite a few times uh, as the the special editions Almost have rolled as on. As
1: much as Han shooting Greedo, yes.
0: Which we'll talk about a lot of special edition alterations in this issue specifically, which I find fascinating. And we
1: get two of the biggest ones in this same issue.
0: Yeah, but the the sound that Obi Wan makes to chase off the Tusken Raiders here has been altered a few times. Mm-hmm. In the not in a lot of the novelizations, it has been described as the sound a crate dragon makes, yes. which would in fact scare the Tuscan Raiders if you have seen the crate dragon that premiered in season two of the Mandalorian. You we now know we how have. big and nasty those it's things one are. One of the
1: coolest things in Mandalorian, uh, and and I always thought that was a great explanation for what it was. Now I don't remember, and I think I've seen about every cut they've done of it. I don't remember him ever going. Woo,
0: Because <laughs> that is the sound effect we see on the page here. It's just W-H-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O. Well,
1: it's either woo or it's hoo.
0: <laughs> well, we do know it's there's an upward inflection at first, and then it goes down based on how the letters are moving. So it's like hoo. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's actually just Obi-Wan back in his home watching the game here, and he's getting a little... <laughs> Uh, let's go to the next page here to see who's saying that,
0: because now there's... Shocker, it's Obi-Wan.
1: It's Obi-Wan, but... Or it's Jesus. I don't know. Look at this light around him here.
0: To be fair, John, there has been much conflation of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior over the years. I've seen many a votive candle with Ewan McGregor's beautiful face emblazoned
1: upon. Ewan has played both characters, so...
0: This is also a true. a Jesus
1: movie, a very crazy Jesus movie, where he plays both Jesus and Satan. I don't know if it's good, but it's interesting that movie.
0: <laughs> uh, but our 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 desert hobo comes wandering up out of the sands after the Tusken Raider flees, and we get this classic interaction. The dialogue's a little bit different here, it, and it
1: feels condensed. It feels comic booky. In yeah, sense where it's like they they have the dialogue, but they're going. Uh, how do we clip this down? Also, we get the once again, the nobody's more surprised by Obi-Wan than R2 going bleep,
0: <laughs> bleep, bleet wheat, puh. The, 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 the weird,
1: the yeah, I understand it's sometimes hard to get sound in the comics exactly, but and they probably don't know what R2 sounds like, as we've said, but it's just like, yeah, I don't think of it as a bleep, 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 mm-hmm. or a wheat. <laughs> but yeah.
0: So we have this scene where Obi-Wan's coming in and is like, know him, of course I know him. He's me. I will, um, I will
1: just say though, no hello there, and I'm pretty disappointed about that.
0: I know, right? Well, this was before the hello there became iconic. Mm-hmm. So you gotta understand that none of the Star Wars we know and love has been set in stone no, no, as of the writing. It's always the thing,
1: but of course I'm reacting as a modern fan, but Yeah, just the thing that gets me is Going in and out, and this is still the case in comics, obviously, and it always will be. But it's so overbearing here—the way that when you're out wide, the detail goes completely away, and then they punch in. Uh, I mean, like, look at this: the second panel here on this on this set of four, or the I'm sorry, the first of the set of four, second on the page. Mm-hmm. You've got pretty undetailed Luke and Obi Wan, and then extremely detailed Alec Guinness. I think Alec Guinness is they have the clearest uh, likeness of, probably, because he was the most known actor where you could say Alec Guinness, and they would go, yeah, we know what he looks like.
0: Well, and based on the first issue, probably Peter Cushing as well. Yeah, that's
1: true, yeah. Uh, once again, the guys who were already established stars at the time, they're like, yeah, sure. Uh...
0: Well, I, I will say, yeah, Steve Lialoa is doing a lot of the heavy lifting in some of these wide panels with the inking. Like, there is clearly a lot going on in terms of the shading, and, like, there are large chunks of Obi-Wan that are just black.
1: Yep. Uh, absolutely. Uh, that, that harsh desert sun, I guess. Um...
0: <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I thought black absorbs sunlight. That's part of the why you wear the, the white and bright colors.
1: I would have thought so, too, but... Uh... <laughs> One <laughs> well, also wants sort um, of ill-defined backgrounds, just some rock formations and stuff in there.
0: Well, we do know that he comes from a yellow planet. So, if, as much as uh, Luke is from Tatooine, it keeps getting called a yellow planet in he the in the captions. Me.
1: I mean, number one, desert planet paints an image more than yellow planet.
0: Well, we can't say desert planet, John. Frank Herbert already nailed that well, that's down. True. So he
1: was already I. The Frank Herbert reaction of, you know, I could sue. I won't, but I could. was was my reaction, just like, great, man. I'll take the moral victory, though. I'll I'll let it slide. But no, I could have raised some shit about this. Uh,
0: Frank was the guy in the back of the theater raising a single finger, then lowering it halfway, then lowering his hand altogether.
1: And he's like, I've got the lawyer on hold. I'm not talking to him. But he's a phone call away. Uh...
0: So Obi Wan says we have to come back, or else they to come back in greater numbers uh, because, of course, they will. Yeah,
1: I don't remember three PO losing an arm in this scene.
0: No, and I them just bringing him back and he's all better. It it serves no relevance.
1: I, this is one of two things: either this was in the script and they ditched it for budget reasons or something, or this is just the 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 comic book artist going. We need a little bit of something in here. A little bit of, let's take the arm off the robot. Because it is interesting that, of course, he will be famously disassembled in Empire. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, in this movie, he stays intact the whole film. So, mm-hmm. And he, and immediately, this guy's apologetic. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, jeez.
0: I mean, look, we'll talk into the problematic relationships that droids have with everybody else in the star wars universe at length when we get to a droid centric comic but
1: the droids man um (laughs) when we turn the page here we see uh uh, an obi-wan who got 20 years of sun and one page flip look at that
0: i think he's eaten too many carrots (laughs) is what that orange skin is indicating here that wow i mean yeah, I'm not quite sure what the color I was up to here. Take
1: back my comment about the consistent color in this thing. Good lord, what is this? I'm just out of the the peach skin tone. So
0: orange, or or it suddenly became sunset in between those two panels because this is clearly an inset from the previous scene, and then we get to uh, Ben Kenobi's small but homie hovel as the oh captains will tell us. Uh,
1: you gotta love a homie hovel. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and yeah, and then, and 3 pos just fixed, making the entire yep. thing pointless. It's fine. Um, we once again get hologram Leia that just appears like a small Leia, though they add this one little brush of pink to make it seem like it's not on her shoulder there.
0: Here's what really strikes me as odd about this hologram here because obviously they don't have the visuals of the blue flickering holograms that will become so iconic in Star Wars. Oh. So they, Just don't have that. That's fine. What weirds me out is the fact that her dress falls so far below where she would be standing. Yeah. Based on, like, if this was a hologram of her saying these things to R2 in a hallway, her dress keeps falling as though there's no floor beneath her. Right.
1: She's suddenly floating physically as a person in the space they're in.
0: Right. Right.
1: I, I don't... Do you guys... I understand they don't have the image, but you guys understand the concept of a hologram, right? Like,
0: Maybe they don't. I don't know where science fiction was at back in the late Star 70s. Wars
1: invented it by any means, though. No, no, no.
0: No. I mean, look, Star Trek existed 15 years before this came out. So, and like, there was...
1: Forget it, pal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, uh, Obi-Wan got a promotion between comic and movie, right? Because he's a commander that they mention here, not a general.
0: Uh, well, I mean, it kind of goes back and forth, and especially in the Clone Wars later, like, the clones will always refer to the Jedi as commanders, so this kind of tracks for me. Uh, within the, like, Republic army structure, the Jedi rank is technically general, and then, like, on the battlefield, they're as commanders to the clones. Mm-hmm.
1: They command. They are generals who command. Is that what you would say?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: Um, All I know is Luke thinks that gal is terrific.
0: Yeah, yeah. Again, this was before a time in which Luke and Leia were actually related in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So we got to keep that in mind. That that's what this was. That was the context in which this was written. And
1: we've both read the history books and stuff like that. We know that's a longer time than George Lucas cares to admit.
0: We know that was editing Bay of Return of the, or Empire Strikes Back, in which that decision is made. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's expressly stuff that Luke's sister was going to be a completely different character. Um, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it, this is a, a note I don't think I remember in the movie, which is my father was just a navigator on a space freighter.
0: No, he says that. In the oh, movie.
1: I missed that. I, I, mean, I guess I've got
0: yeah. And Obi-Wan's line is always like, well, that's what your uncle told you, but actually, uh, your uncle... Yeah, yeah.
1: I was going to say, starting the long tension between Uncle Owen and Obi-Wan that we will get fleshed out quite a bit in the Obi-Wan TV series.
0: Well, and this also begins the long trail of Obi-Wan is a constant liar to everyone series of events.
1: It is a thing that, man, as much as they try to make that make sense, you're like, no, I don't know why he did that. It's still like one of the things that as a Star Wars fan, you just kind of have to accept. But you're like, dude, why were you vague and like omitting so much and selling half-truths and like... Oh, I I didn't Mm -hmm. technically tell you he wasn't Darth Vader. It's like, like, come on, man.
0: Right. And the whole, like, your father would have wanted you to have this lightsaber when you were old enough. At what point, A, Anakin was never aware he had a son until around this time in the timeline. And, like, it's not like Obi-Wan and Anakin had, like, chats where Anakin was saying... You know, Obi-Wan, when I have kids, not that I'm ever going to have kids because I'm a Jedi, but when I have kids, I hope to one day pass my lightsaber on to them.
1: And that's not a thing because Jedi don't have kids across the board. So I don't know. Mostly, yes. And but
0: Obi- We'll talk about Ki-Adi-Mundi later. Well,
1: yeah, I know. But I mean, generally, it's the idea that it wouldn't be like, and then it's the lightsaber. You never hear the lightsaber is passed from father to son. That's... But they don't know any of that. I do love the image of Obi-Wan looking like a crazy old man rummaging through his trunk. I know it's <laughs> in here somewhere. Where is that thing? And also. Or 3PO manspreading.
0: Uh, man spreading. 3PO is always man spreading. That's true. 3PO has got to air out those bolts. We know this. <laughs> uh, but specifically, I want to point out something at the bottom of this page. This is our only indication in star wars media up to this point of how to turn on a lightsaber the
1: brightly colored button uh, uh, by the pommel is what obi-wan says
0: mhm that's a line that's definitely not in the movie and how one turns on and like controls the uh, the length and such of a lightsaber has always been a vague mystery at least where the movies present it where it's like well they're holding the lightsaber so it then it turns on when they need it to And how they hold specifically this lightsaber has changed from movie to movie. And the sequel trilogy is a huge, uh, well, it's got a lot of problems, but uh, people hold that lightsaber very differently in every scene. So how it turns on has always been like, but wait, hold what? I mean, you know, as a kid playing with the toys of them, they always put
1: the button. And so I think for the longest time, I just assumed that was the button that's in the movie too, but Right, there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that contradicts that, but I always just thought, well, there's a big button on it, and you hit that, which this seems to yeah. indicate as well. You just hit that button. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there it goes.
0: I just find it strange how the movies have obscured that over the years, and as to, like, just put a button on it. Why not?
1: Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's almost like, I think the movies want them to be a little bit more mystical, right? That, you're like, I'm channeling the force through the thing, and it's, you know, but...
0: Or, and let me pitch this to you, John, the person working the props department didn't think about it at the time. Oh, that's
1: 100%, I think, what made made me, you may (laughs) be onto something here. Uh, This is also the case in the, in the, as we turn the page here, Uh, by the way, Uh I mean, the pink blade is a weird decision, but the pink blade on a pink background is a objectively horrible decision.
0: Yeah, the colorist is really dropping the ball here. I mean, each of these first four panels up here, just being big slabs of color with a little bit of, like, black detail in the background, is really, really showing it's uh, the rush job here. You can
1: talk about Obi-Wan's diva pose here that I adore, uh, where he's just like, "Mm, that's right! Um, But, uh... Uh, the fact that they keep spelling lightsaber this way throughout it is interesting because that's not generally how it's spelled in anything.
0: Uh, it's uh, How they're spelling it in the comic is uh, S-A-B-R-E, which is like a more traditional old English way of spelling saber.
1: Right, yeah. Uh, whereas anything, you go to a Target or something and look at, once again, the toys or any book or anything else, it would be saber, S-A-B-E-R. So correct. Yeah, that's interesting to me that that's how they're spelling it here. It makes me wonder if that's how Lucas had it in the notes or whatever that they've given them.
0: I believe so. In some of the earlier drafts, yeah, yeah,
1: that would make sense. He seems like, especially the 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 way he's basing this off of myth and stuff like that. It would seem like he would think to spell it that way at least because it is supposed to be an old mm-hmm. weapon and you know it's a saber. Right.
0: But how do you pronounce that as opposed to the E-R spelling? Yeah. Like, what's the difference in pronunciation? Nothing.
1: Really. No. <laughs> uh, the <light> Um uh... <laughs>
0: Well, that's a different character entirely, uh, John. Yeah,
1: it's a whole different thing. And we get this, I mean, a lot of this stuff is the same as the movie. It's all just the art here that's, the poses are so weird and the...
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, constantly referring to the force in air quotes the whole time, really kind of threw like me, it's the force. It's like
1: Han Solo wrote the comic, right? The force. Uh-huh.
0: Uh-huh. Sure. But Obi-Wan keeps saying it.
1: Yeah. You know, you must learn the ways of the force loop.
0: <laughs> Knowledge of the force is what gives a Jedi knight his power. I know it
1: I mean, look, Obi-Wan is already one of the snarkiest characters in Star Wars, but I don't know... It seems like if anyone is going to be 100% on board with the Force, it's him. Um, right. <laughs> also, I just... the Just look at these first four panels and the three that Luke are in. Three very different faces on the same character. They can't keep a design on these things. I mean, Chakin, He has to be speeding this out, because we know Chaykin's a great artist, but the inconsistency between panels has got to come from, it's just like, I've just got to finish this thing.
0: Yeah, I have no idea where comic book Luke's cheekbones are, because they move every single
1: panel. As we talked about, he ages back and forth, but sometimes he seems youthful, other times he seems like a grizzled 50-year-old man
0: hmm And then sometimes... Yeah, and just- at the in this last panel here, he's looking off, sadly, into the distance, that, saying he can't go off and help that old man on his kooky crusade. And he, again, looks like Prince Valiant.
1: Oh, 100%. Very Prince Valianty. Which, I mean, which I get, especially if you didn't have Mark Hamill's face in mind. A Prince Valiant Luke makes sense. Like, if you were just to tell me the character mm-hmm. of Luke Skywalker... Uh, and also, geez, once again, look at the background on that last large panel there where they are just two yellow figures back there. Yeah. And it's on this close-up uh, of R2 that's mostly obscured by the inset panel of Luke, which is a weird choice visually.
0: It's it's like a strange over-the-shoulder shot of R2 where everything in the background is kind of in soft focus. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't, guess, I, for in film yeah, terms. I don't,
1: I don't think I've ever seen that kind of shot of R2 in any of the movies where it's like... Because also, what is it indicating? Is R2 being like, like a Brian De Palma shot?
0: But R2 is kind of like coming towards the quote-unquote camera, because that's the front of R2 right yeah. there. So he's moving away from Luke and obi That's what I'm
1: saying. It almost seems like he's as much shoulder as R2 has over his shoulder going like, I'm pretending not to listen, but I am. Yeah. <laughs>
0: R2 is always pretending not yeah. to listen, but he is. Let's go. With R2 actually knows all of the social intricacies of the Skywalker family through all of the it's, prequels and it's the biggest, original trilogy. It's,
1: the, it's one of the strangest things to think about is R2 is the one who's like, oh, I know the whole story, man.
0: <laughs> um, let's at, at least 3PO has the excuse of having his brain wiped yeah. between episodes three and four, which fits his character.
1: Uh, and then his and then his brain will be wiped yet again. We'll get.
0: Uh, speaking of people that Luke thinks are just dynamite, we get a quick cut back on the next oh, page I love... to that scene with Leia and Vader on the Death Meanwhile,
1: Star. Meanwhile, aboard the Empire battle station known as Death Star, not the Death Star. It's like codename Death Star.
0: mm Hmm. Uh. Well, we know later that it'll be codenamed Stardust, but that's neither here nor there. I.
1: I I, I I want to back that up to we know this? Where is that said?
0: Rogue One. All over the place in Rogue they One.
1: call it Stardust? Oh, they do. Yeah, kind of. I mean, is that official, or is that just Galen Erso?
0: That's, that, she finds it at the end of that movie as Project Stardust. I guess
1: that's true, yeah. It's still the Death Star itself. Well, whatever. Sure. Um... So uh Hey,
0: we're here to get into it, John.
1: Uh man, uh total erasure of Dr. Ball, by the way.
0: <laughs> so, in this scene in the movie, we have a torture droid coming in to torture Princess Leia. That's what's happening here. Yeah. The the people making this comic book don't know that in the movie it will be this very a uh, obtuse-looking floating ball with all these pointy bits coming out of it that will later be christened Doctor Ball in a robot chicken sketch. One
1: of my favorite robot chicken sketches. Seth MacFarlane is the voice of Doctor Ball. Was it Doctor Ball M.D. Isn't that the? Yeah. <laughs> my God. Um, what? <laughs> Dying of sadness? What are
0: we yeah. <laughs> wizards? <laughs> do you, do you, yeah.
1: What is your What is your doctorate in? poetry uh i love it uh uh but this robot is just like is this a this is kind of a generic design that you see in a lot of robot designs of this era
0: yeah kind of insectoid in terms of how it looks kind of
1: looks like the robot from black hole a little bit yeah Yeah, a little bit of that it's it's i just love the idea of it like Oh yeah, it's just a droid. It it doesn't it doesn't read as predict. And I love the the canted angle, Batman sixty six shot of it, with Vader just being like, "Here he is."
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and there's always a little bit of uh, Vader. Uh, let's call it. Uh, atrocity erasure, and I think this is the one that always usually falls in the, the chopping block floor of, like, oh, by the way, he tortured Leia, like, mm-hmm. and Han, yeah, and kind of Luke. <laughs> yeah, the,
1: I mean, the, like, the Han one is probably the most explicit, because you at least get the idea of what they're doing to Han. Here, a thing with... I mean, Dr. Ball does have just a hypodermic needle sticking out of it, which is kind of silly. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I will say, once again, it's interesting... Look at what this shot of Leia, Chaykin, has lovingly done this terrified Leia, which actually makes Mm -hmm. sense if you've read his other comics.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, big horror comic guy.
1: Yeah, and big uh, sexy lady guy. Sure. He loves women and specifically women in terror situations, so...
0: Absolutely. Uh, we cut back to Tatooine, the yellow planet, mm-hmm. and we find Luke and Obi-Wan speeding back home on his speeder with, like, intense fire coming out of the back of the land speeder. You, you
1: mean the, the land speeder that's currently caught fire and is in real trouble? <laughs> like, the land speeder looks ah. like it's in more trouble than this blown out sand crawler.
0: Which, yeah, we have them coming across the sand crawler and Luke being like, oh, I guess the Tusken Raiders did it, and... Obi-Wan saying, no, no, these blaster marks are far too accurate for sand people. That must have been stormtroopers, because we all know they're so accurate. Which
1: is always one of the funniest things. By the way, can we... Look at... Is that a Jawa just lit on fire in that uh, second panel of the bottom three? Look at that. Just
0: Oh, there's a Jawa just lit on fire in the first panel, John, right there in front Coldering, of
1: Luke. though, but, like, pretty realistic, immolated, you know, good lord.
0: Oh, yeah, no, it's bad. Um and the fact that we get this but we don't get uh know. Uncle Ben and Aunt Beru. They hold
1: back on the on the Uncle suspense, Owen. which of course the movie is one of the most fa- like when you're a kid you're like ah when those charred skeletons are just laying there um
0: all cuz yeah we have Luke making the realization like off oh, these are the same jawas that had the droids that might have led them back yeah. home. Oh no. That
1: Luke face is terrible. <laughs>
0: I again, it's just he's constantly morphing into a different well, person. There's, there's every panel, wrong with his
1: eyes. It's just, uh, it's just not good. Anyway, let's go home.
0: The dimple that is now on his chin.
1: Yeah, they really are just like, well, he's a hero. He's got to have a big chin, big old Kirk. Yeah, chin. Uh, <laughs> lead them home. But,
0: uh, but here's uh, mutant Luke face on the next page. Oh, it will be at the bottom. Look. We'll get this there. This is the worst Luke.
1: Um, but yeah. Yeah, Lots of dialogue, or lots of uh, writing that explains. I do like, just from off-panel, him going, Wait, Luke, it's too... D-. Ah, forget it.
0: Never <laughs> mind. Because he rushes home, and we, yeah, we don't actually get an explicit, like, Oh, his aunt and uncle are dead on panel. We just get the captioning saying, Then he suddenly sees the two smoldering piles, which had once been human beings. This
1: a good description from, uh, from Roy Thomas, but... Almost uh, om- almost getting to Claremontian. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it really lacks some oomph when you think of comics. You know, kind of, I don't know, kind of visual medium.
0: Yeah. So, th- the only shot we get is of Luke? I guess it's Luke. His face has changed again, but he's shouting no.
1: No. He's shouting no <laughs> twice. He goes, no.
0: No. His upper lip in that frame there is so weird. It like comes down and his jaw is like so much lower. And like, he's just got this long lip between there's a, there's a word for it. I know the space between your nose and your lip. There's, there's some scientific word for that. I don't know it, but this one is at least four inches long.
1: Yeah. Weird.
0: And his, his teeth are way lower down than they should be.
1: No, everything about this. (laughs) This is just like, uh, have we seen a human face gentlemen?
0: Uh, (laughs) Well, clearly we have because we have uh, Tarkin's face in the ne- the next panel I'm over here. I'm
1: pretty sure this is a reused image that they've zoomed in and turned. Because I think I remember the same Tarkin face in the last issue.
0: Oh, I think you're right. And I think you're detail. absolutely right. It's
1: the same detail of the Cushing uh uh face because i remember being like oh they got the well because also when they do the the command bridge here number one the colors are just so disco-y man uh it's the 70s but how ill-defined everybody is vader is just this like hulking blob in the center of this thing and um Mm -hmm. is this a uh uh death star operator or is this Sark from Tron over here at the control? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Look.
0: Could go a through. Little bit of column A, a little yeah, bit of column
1: B. could be that. I didn't remember him uh, showing up in this movie. And once again, Vader's helmet is all is just so narrow. The eyes are so narrowed and it, it's 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 very bizarre. Uh,
0: I will say I am glancing back at issue one yeah. on uh, uh, on a side tablet here. I don't think this Tarkin shop appeared in that okay. issue. So that is at least something to this comic book's credit.
1: All right. Sorry, sorry, I doubted you, Jacob.
0: That's fair. But then, uh, but yeah, we get Luke returning to Obi-Wan here at the end, which we always kind of glaze over the fact that Obi-Wan is just. And the droids are burning a ton of Jawa bodies when Luke comes back to this scene. They
1: say it in the thing, but we don't see exactly uh, Obi-Wan heaving a Jawa body onto a burning...
0: (laughs) Oh, Luke, you're back! (laughs) Sorry, just burning the dead?
1: (laughs) You think this is my first Jawa roast? I don't know. Um...
0: Boy, let me tell you about the Clone Wars. <laughs>
1: Ooh, uh, we had some Jawa roast that night, your old
0: man and I. Mm. Uh. <laughs> but yes, uh, we get Luke being like, there's nothing left for me here. I need to go with you now. And his face lacks any eyebrows and he looks like some kind of Morlock boiling up from the sewer. Are they
1: trying to do like a windswept thing on his hair? Because he suddenly has this giant forehead. And it's just—it's so weird. But it seems like they're trying to make it seem like the hair is, maybe I'm, maybe I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. It's a terrible image.
0: Again, his face changes in literally every panel, so it's really mm-hmm. tough to say. And
1: that hand—that Obi Wan hand—is like on his shoulder, but weirdly turned.
0: Well, he's got very sh- short fingers. It's <laughs> like a bear claw.
1: <laughs> i i I'd never noticed this. Guinness had. Famously tiny fingers. Uh
0: <laughs> <laughs> only two knuckles on each now, finger. It's strange.
1: Let's go to, by the way, because I knew this, I did wear for the show everybody.
0: Oh, it's most Eisley Cantina shirt. Okay. Indeed. Excellent, excellent. Show
1: some representation for the folks in Mos Eisley. Sure. Here not yet a, a hive of uh, scum and villainy, just a hive of villainy.
0: You won't find a more wretched hive of villainy, yeah. so it's fine. Yeah.
1: But no scum as of yet. They'll add that in the movie, I guess. Uh,
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, We get the scene with uh, Obi-Wan using the old Jedi mind trick. I do like the change in this one of him doing each of the stormtroopers in succession as opposed to just a single stormtrooper. Because that actually always read as weird in the movie is like if he is literally just talking to one stormtrooper and swaying him what are the other stormtroopers behind him thinking while this is going yeah. on? And I think there is actually a robot chicken sketch about that as oh, well. I'm sure that,
1: I think there's a robot chicken sketch about everything in Star Wars at this point now. There's enough of them. And they've...
0: and we're better for oh, it.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, also, the coloring <laughs> on the shoulder pad should be orange, right? So that's...
0: Uh, again, they don't have the they probably have black and white production stills of what these Stormtroopers look like. The
1: production stills they have are probably black and white. I also like the way that the drawing is just Obi-Wan with his hands out going like, fellas, fellas, please, everybody, calm down. You know?
0: Don't worry, boys. Everyone will get a taste of old Obi-Wan.
1: <laughs> and it, I mean, it, it is something that probably works better in the comic that he goes to each of them than if he had done it in the movie. I get the movie just for mm-hmm. obedience sake did that, obviously. Sure. Uh, I want to yeah. talk about, though, on this next panel when they're going into the cantina, and there's just a turtle man clearing frame there.
0: I mean, or is it the rump of some kind of beast of burden? It's tough to say.
1: He's got a pointed tail there
0: uh, yeah it's just some weird alien thing in the corner of the panel they
1: don't i don't think they it's interesting for being a comic book you think they'd go crazy with the cantina stuff but they don't go as crazy as the movie does now they don't have the context but still you would think they would start designing aliens and stuff instead we don't get too much flavor of the cantina in this
0: John, that would require effort and time that this comic book does not have. No,
1: instead, look at look at when we go into the cantina here on this next page. Look at these real thin strips of panel where, like, we don't want to show too much of the cantina at all.
0: No, 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 no. Especially that first panel where we come into the cantina and everyone's just a washed out yellow squiggle <laughs> in the background.
1: There's some there's some aliens over here and such.
0: But again, this was kind of like The movie had just come out three months before this, and the cantina scene was becoming that iconic thing from Star Wars of just like, this is what I lived in weird alien space fantasy looks like now, and it will forever from this point on. So,
1: yeah, exactly. I was going to say, so much so that cantina scene is replicated time and time and time again, not just in Star Wars, but in everything. I mean... There's a cantina yeah. scene in Star Trek 3, you know? I mean, like, there's stuff like that. Where it's just, yeah. like, they go nuts with this stuff. Um, yeah. Let's talk about these people that approach Luke at the bar, because these are not the aforementioned characters.
0: These are not Ponda Baba and Dr. Evazon. No. No, they are not. These are the Gill Man from Creature from the Black yeah, Lagoon? <laughs> the
1: their lawyers on the line here. Because, yeah, where's the woman from the lagoon, Luke? Um... <laughs>
0: Katura, Shadrach.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we get some alien language in here, which is kind of interesting. And we do get the same thing if he doesn't like you. I don't like you either.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got the little bat guy getting on this. Like, it's really like uh, four guys accosting Luke here at the bar, which is a lot more than in the movie. In the movie, it is just the two.
1: And uh, Luke gets slapped across the room, apparently, here.
0: Yeah. Well, in the I believe it's in the movie Ponda Baba just kind of like tussles him a little bit and that's when Obi-Wan steps in. Luke
1: does not hit the ground in the movie by any means. And maybe yeah. because of this escalation of violence, there's an escalation of violence to straight up murder from Obi-Wan here. In the movie he takes the guy's oh, yeah. arm off, which that'll teach you a lesson. Here, he's mm-hmm. dropping two corpses on the ground. And he doesn't even pay and say sorry for the mess like Han does.
0: Well, what I do like about the comic is that the way the captioning and the art are trying to convey it, uh, we get this caption of Ben's own lightsaber comes suddenly to life and a wide-eyed Luke Skywalker is abruptly reminded that old Ben Kenobi was once Obi-Wan Kenobi, a Jedi Knight. So it's this flash of violence and then in the next page we get this panel of him stowing his lightsaber back and I'm so much reminded of like samurai Kurosawa films of the the samurai pulling his blade for one quick devastating move and then slowly putting it back away as the body hit the floor
1: it is cool and uh, uh, you know uh, and and that is i think definitely what we're supposed to feel in the movie too and in the movie there is the way it's cut and everything there is this just quick violence and it's over which is very cool. yeah and the guy
0: I, I think in a more modern film we'd get a like a wide shot of that slash whereas in the movie obviously alec guinness wasn't doing a lot of sword play in that film so we what don't quite get about, the- i
1: did all my own stunts
0: yeah, unfortunately. Um.
1: <laughs> I was game. I got jacked for that movie. Um.
0: Sure. Uh, and then we get our introduction of fan favorite character Chewbacca. Monkey
1: face.
0: Yeah, this Chewbacca, uh, I don't quite know what's going on with the face here. Again, I'm fairly certain the, the production stills are in black and white because in the 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 Chewbacca costume does have this kind of like mustache quality ab- on the does, upper lip, but it's, but it's not as pronounced as it is in this comic. No,
1: and the weird coloring to accentuate his face. I mean, that there is a different coloring on his face, of course, in the movie, but it doesn't look like this. And yeah, it's just, it's one of those things, it's like the Uncanny Valley where you're like, I get this is Chewbacca, but it's just
0: wrong, you know? This is this is thrift store Chewbacca. This is those yeah. like import toys you see sometimes where it says Chunboko or something. Yeah, These
1: are the <laughs> toys my grandfather bought because it's like the boy likes the space movies. I picked this uh-huh. in the dime store, you know, and you're like, oh it's right. kinda like Chewbacca. Thanks, grandpa. Um or Com-
0: the 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 top of the box says starred warren. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Face battles. Um, uh, They do have the bandolier, correct. Uh, They do say, uh, despite a comical quasi-monkey face. Now, clearly, I think some of this is just they're reading probably what Lucas had written in descriptions of the characters. But I don't think Mm -hmm. of of Chewie as having certainly a comical face. And also, he looks fucking pissed when he comes on this panel. Look at that. He's ready to do some business.
0: What I find interesting about, oh, just people's reaction to Chewbacca is I've heard this range of commentary from people at the time being like, "Well, oh, look at him; he's just a big furry dude. Why would we take him seriously?" Obviously, we have the context of thirty years of no, no, no. Chewbacca also a badass. You give Chewbacca respect.
1: Oh, of course, Chewbacca is one of the coolest characters but, in all the Star Wars, obviously. I mean, that almost... It's one of those things where that almost doesn't need to be said, but now I feel like I do have to say it in this con- conversation.
0: Right, because at this time, they didn't have that context, right. so they were just like, yeah, of course he would look slightly absurd next to all these other characters, because he's this big furry Sasquatch looking I dude. also
1: love Obi-Wan just going like, this is Chewbacca. He's a Wookiee. <laughs> if that wasn't clear. And of course, the classic Chewbacca catchphrase, Gronk.
0: Well, look, we hadn't established the the Gonk droid just yet. So we had to have somebody doing a Gronk hey, somewhere. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> also, how on earth do you write out the Chewbacca noise in comic books? People have struggled with yeah, that. Yeah,
1: they definitely have. It's an interesting thing. The just like, what is that sound? I don't know.
0: Yeah, no idea, uh, but we get Chewbacca uh, introducing them as they do to Han Solo. Oh, and in the next the Luke, page over if here, if the
1: Luke face is weird, oh, the Han Solo face is so much stranger. Uh, we also see uh, uh, he's going to lead them over there. Meanwhile, three uh, P O and R two are outside seeing some guy ratting them out.
0: Yeah, and in the movie I think it's that long-faced uh yeah. spy dude and this is just some strange pink alien.
1: <laughs> With his shirt really stood out to me when I was reading this last night, the the weird bumblebee striped shirt on him.
0: Uh, mhm, yeah.
1: And then boy, you want to talk about doing some man spreading, Meet Captain Han Solo.
0: Well, look. Right. Han Solo was introduced to the world man spreading, so
1: <laughs> he he is so casual, but Boy, this face. Oof. And I'm not even talking about likeness to Harrison Ford. I'm just talking about human facial features.
0: Yeah, there's some strangeness going on here. Uh, A a too much shading and not enough happening both at the same time.
1: (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, we get the classic, of course, the same introduction from the movie Fast Ship um you mean
0: yeah and the dialogue here is just basically beat for beat han solo yeah
1: just myself the boy and two droids and no questions you know they don't want imperial trouble go to the next page oh my god this first panel on the next page is wild (laughs) number one han solo has no face now and and luke is ready to murder
0: Luke has suddenly turned into Adam Warlock in the Infinity Gauntlet saga. Hundred <laughs> percent. He's got he's got no with pupil. pure
1: white eyes, no pupil, and it continues the next. He's kind of uh, aghast in the movie, right? Like he's like ten thousand. We don't, you know, we don't need this here. He's like, I'm gonna kill this guy, Ben. Hold me back. <laughs>
0: Well, this is a classic scene in A New Hope where if you're playing the Star Wars drinking game, the the part of the game for A New Hope is number of times Luke whines in the film. This is a, a bit where you finish your beer, yeah. is this scene.
1: It, um, <laughs> when you just read this, it doesn't come off as whining. It comes across like, once again, he's coming across the table at him.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. And not, Obi-Wan's well, holding him back.
1: Well, Obi-Wan, now played by Orson Welles in this panel, um... Yeah, wow,
0: it does look like that. He's lost his mustache, too.
1: <laughs> his face is a lot fuller, no mustache. And then, completely different design of Chewbacca, basically, who's just kind of like, yeah.
0: Mm. Again, the inker the here is doing so much heavy lifting in terms of trying to fill in detail. Well, look
1: at how the, back, the background is just black at this point. Like, we're not even mm-hmm. trying. <laughs> and then... Gossiping stormtroopers on the next panel where They're like, "Hey, you see that guy over there? Yeah, I clocked him, buddy."
0: <laughs> Just You want to take the lead on this one? Uh, I took the last it's one. So, they're
1: so like they're right next to each other. He's whispering in his ear, which is so silly to see. Storm. Also, they're a little. I. Ch- they're a little too chunky.
0: I think they're spo- it's supposed to be like a forward momentum thing, like one's ahead of the other one and they're coming forward so the shoulders are bigger, but it doesn't read that way because their perspective is all wrong.
1: Uh, you know what? The bartender is actually not a bad likeness to the guy who plays the bartender in the movie.
0: I th- I swear to God, I bet they had a production still of the bartender and they knew what he was going to look
1: like. And him just going like, yeah, over there.
0: Mm-hmm. But then we just have... Han and che- Chewie at the table by themselves going, can't help you, buds. Sorry. It did
1: always looked pretty guilty in the movie to me that they're like, what? What? You going to start yeah. something?
0: Yeah, but that's like everybody at the cantina, right? Is always going to be <laughs> yeah. like, what? what?
1: I got nothing. What
0: you looking at?
1: Yeah, because I mean, it's it's, it's kind of the stormtroopers got to be looking the other way and a lot of crap. in most obviously, right?
0: I think the stormtroopers here probably had the cushiest gig in the galaxy until Vader rolls up with the with chasing the droids, and now suddenly they have to work.
1: Nobody cared about Tatooine. They talked about that in the last issue, and I think that's true, but then it's because problems here. It's like, oh, man, I was so thrilled to be stationed on Tatooine. We're like, honestly, you can probably take a little cash under the table and look the other way on some stuff, you know.
0: Oh, you know Jabba's got these guys paid off.
1: Oh, we're going to talk about Jabba soon. Jabba
0: oh, yeah, we are.
1: Wild. Let's talk about Greedo, though, who's dead on. Talk about they had to have had production still as a Greedo because oh, they, sure. they, they have lovingly, almost of any character, they have lovingly recreated Greedo here. The colors are kind of...
0: Greedo... Yeah, uh, again, I'm guessing all the production stills were in black and white, uh, but we do have Greedo here, a classic Rhodian with his big eyes, weird funnel mouth, and uh, proboscis ears coming out the top. Yeah,
1: and of course he's in English here, which he, of course they recorded it in English and the dialogue was, and then you get the... Solo.
0: He's speaking Huttese, Joe. Yeah.
1: I, I, I know that, but I don't know the language, so... Uh...
0: Now clearly, Greedo opens fire on Han, which gives him the ability to fire back at Greedo here, thus rectifying the moral scales is what happens here, right?
1: That's right. Although I'm not a not a McClunky insight, um, but no,
0: no. In fact,
1: it, it's what it is in the movie, which is he says, "I'm going to kill you." I never understood where Lucas thought the like. It's pretty clear what's going to happen, but also Han, um obliterates this man with the most powerful blaster shot in the history of Star Wars, according to this uh, panel? Because look at him. Yeah. Does he
0: shoot (laughs) him out the side of the bar? It's a pretty dramatic blast. I've read ahead slightly in this. I don't even think the Death Star laser is quite this dramatic.
1: (laughs) I mean, like, he gets murdered with a capital M Greedo here. There's nothing left of this guy.
0: Also... Why is Han's leg now back up on the table when he does that, when it's clearly under the table in the previous couple of panels? Threw the
1: leg up, then he shot the guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or maybe he threw the leg up and shot beneath the leg just for an extra spin move to it.
1: (laughs) Uh, I will say, first time I feel like they've gotten one of the blasters right, that is pretty accurate to Han's blaster.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we get the classic Han throwing the guy a coin, being sorry for the mess. I mean,
1: he even in this poorly drawn comic, he's still the most badass dude in the galaxy far, far away. And Julie,
0: uh, we get, once
1: again, stern faced. All right.
0: We get a riveting couple of panels on the next page of you, <laughs> Luke selling his speeder.
1: Glad they included this, including this Flash Gordon extra woman over here in the pink number.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Um, Oh,
1: hold on. I just am now seeing this little alien guy with his hands in his pockets. I don't know why that makes me laugh, but there's something funny about a Star Wars alien just being like, Yeah, you, you know what I told her, man.
0: I love a, a casual Star Wars alien. One of my favorite bits of the recent Andor show is in the, I think the third episode or the second episode, when that big alien heavy is just trying to intimidate Andor, and then he's just like, oh, I'm just getting paid to stand here, man. Yeah.
1: But I just like the <laughs> idea. It's just like, yeah, man. So, uh, yeah, so I went down there last night, and I, I gotta tell you, man, it was pretty wild.
0: <laughs> uh, but then... Speaking of things that Lucas changed later on, yeah. we get the inclusion of a scene that wouldn't be added to A New Hope until the special edition. Oh, no, no. And that is Han. You're talking
1: to Jabba. I'm ta- Before we get to Jabba, I just want to talk about who is this mysterious guy?
0: Oh, this in the movie would be that long-faced alien who is tracking them oh, to oh, the, the spaceport. That's
1: so interesting because they make such a big deal out of him in the comic in a way the movie just kind of hints at, but here they make it seem like and a hidden villain waits in the shadows.
0: Yeah, I I know that guy has a name. I am struggling to remember it. I definitely read at least one novella starring him as the main character. This is
1: this speaks to the thing where it's just like that is a guy I clocked in that movie as necessary and then never thought of... It. When you talk about I, I know I know his name, I never knew his name. Uh, mm. But yeah, I mean, you talk about it, they definitely have the script, but this Jabba scene...
0: Garendon! Of course it's Garendon! Why wouldn't I know that? Also known as Long Snoot.
1: That actually makes sense to me. Um, But let's go to Docking Bay 94 and meet a very different Jabba that, look, I know. It's one of those things I know, but it is so weird to read.
0: Yeah. Because in the original film, they film the scene in which Jabba confronts Han at the Millennium Falcon before they get a chance to leave Mos Eisley. And... Han being like, Hey, I know I owe you money. Just I'll get you the payment. I've got this easy job. It's all going to be good, Java. Java being like, Oh, Han Mibuki. Uno suno ono.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yes, exactly. And but the way they shot, if I'm not mistaken, there was just a guy there, right? Like a guy in a fur coat. Is that right?
0: Yeah, it was just some big, like, it's a, uh, crime looking dude, like a dude like a, because they that didn't. Kind of guy, yeah. Yeah, they they didn't know that Jabba was going to evolve into a giant space slug. They thought he was just some crime boss. Nobody figured
1: that out. Uh, No. So that's why you get the weird animation where he steps on the tail and stuff. And also, as we've talked about, uh, I never understood why Lucas put that back, except for just, I guess, the fan service of Jabba, because it establishes the exact same thing the Greedo scene establishes. It was a good cut.
0: And it does one other thing which Star Wars fans of a certain ilk will be aware of, and that is it retroactively makes the first appearance of Boba Fett in A New Hope.
1: That's right. That's right. Boba Fett is there. Okay. You know, sort of like...
0: Oops. Yeah, exactly.
1: I love Boba Fett just like everybody else does, but like, I don't know that it adds anything. Once again, it's a, it's kind of an extraneous scene that, if anything, I think damages the pacing of the special edition version.
0: And actually, I'd have to go back and watch, but I don't even is the special edition. I know it re-adds the CG job in that scene. I'm try I'm struggling to remember if uh, Boba Fett was also actually a CG inclusion in that scene, or if he was originally shot there. Or he's a not. CG. Inclusion. I'm not actually.
1: They sure also that. add him into Mos Eisley too in the cantina. They have him watching on. Yeah. Um, here though he's backed up by a blue guy and an orange guy.
0: Yeah, so we have the weirdest of the Hutt here. He is a tall, yellow-skinned alien with these extreme uh, mutton chops coming down to either side. He looks like a combination of like a basset hound and a ferret, but he's wearing this pumpkin orange jumpsuit and these big green gloves, Just and he's dressed kind of like an Imperial officer. I don't think he'd go down as one of the
1: great Star Wars villains had he been looking like this.
0: Yeah, especially in the next page when we get his face in more detail and like his eyes are these pure black like a ferrets kind of. And he's just got a very goofy look. Talk
1: about a character aging. I didn't know that for one panel, Mel Brooks staple Kenneth Mars played Hans. (laughs) What is this? Look at this. Who the hell is that guy? His nose is a totally different shape.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. The, the faces are real. Faces are hard, John. Faces are so hard. Oh, I don't
1: know. We've seen other comics, though, where they've done it. <laughs> <laughs> well, when well, Howard Chaykin can do it. It's just, I think it. I think it is a rush job, and everybody's just going, like, get this out of there. Because it is, like, yeah, he is, like, one of comics' most iconic, you know, artists. And a guy who had his own style. Also, this is real early in his career, too. He's not yet Howard Chakin, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh let's head to the ominous Death Star. And um this guy in an Imperial uniform I've never seen before, all black with some green.
0: Got some joppers there with the big puffy legs.
1: Mm-hmm. And I just I I don't know, there's just something weird about this Vader pose. Like he's casually striding. I mean, I know yeah, Vader. Yeah, he's got the powerful
0: arm forward and the cape over one shoulder. I I think it's fine.
1: I don't know. There's something about just catching him mid that. And actually, this next panel is, I think, Chacon's best rendering yet of the Vader mask.
0: Yeah, uh, the big problem with his rendering of the Vader mask is that it continues to change. So seeing one's normal is actually equally off-putting mm-hmm. because it isn't like the weird Gumby face we're getting used What's to.
1: Interesting, I do feel like this is often the case when he punches in on these individual panels, like that one Alea we were talking about earlier. That's where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I can really get in and do the likeness and then everything else is a little whatever.
0: And, uh but yeah, we have Vader strolling down the hallways of the Death Star and on the next page we cut immediately back to this... the the landing bay. This
1: section of the movie doesn't actually have a lot of Vader in it, so they're just putting in where Vader where they can. So there's just these little cuz they know Vader's selling books, you know. Um I also like we get the we get all the what a piece of junk. There's not a lot of emphasis on the Falcon, which is interesting. It's always kind of at a distance here.
0: Yeah, we get some good shots of it in the last couple of panels of this issue, but yeah. And they clearly knew what the Falcon was going to look like, but drawing that much detail uh every single page would be a giant pain in the ass, and that's clearly not something they're lo- willing to do here, based on the second panel of this page in which the stormtroopers that are coming in look like they've been melted in the sun.
1: <laughs> yeah, these are, uh, son, you left your toys outside, I don't know what happened here. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and is this yeah is this the long snoot guy running away having ratted them out
0: i guess it doesn't matter I, like oh,
1: booking it out of there
0: yeah uh so we've got them firing on the stormtroopers and the stormtroopers firing back as they try I, to make their escape from most ice
1: shooting at them by the the you know landing uh, uh, the ramp uh Mm -hmm. that definitely is a still because you see that still used all the time and they definitely had that because the pose is dead on to the Harrison Ford. I mean, Harrison Ford, one of the great like shooting stance actors in film history.
0: Yeah, with Han, he's got the one boot up on the ramp and he's firing back over. Like, yeah, Yeah. Um, the fact that they probably had that still but still didn't make it look like Harrison Ford is actually troubling It's
1: very (laughs) weird because I definitely had this picture on my wall as a kid of, On shooting like this, Uh, actually, Mm -hmm. they capture the run. Even well, although the it's a weird why when he's running into the Falcon here, his arms are Mm -hmm. out the side of him, like he's not like a run like 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 that, but more just like his arms are and he's going. Hey,
0: I don't know. It's a very strange action pose.
1: And once again, Chewie hits us. This time, not with a Gronk, but a Grunk.
0: Well, that's a very different word in has got you gotta understand. He's it. gotten way furrier in this panel. Yeah, his, his he's starting to look a little bit more like Marvel's Sasquatch, the oh, Alpha Flight team member. He definitely is. <laughs> uh, Which, I don't actually know the history of Alpha Flight, so I don't know when that character's origin comes about, but it probably would have been around this time, honestly. it has gotta be
1: late 70s, early 80s at the latest. Yeah, um, so I think yeah, I think we're right in that phase, because uh, I I mean I, we that we don't talk about it too much, but there definitely is you can see the influence of some of the I mean you mentioned the Adam Warlock thing, you can see some of the sort of stock designs of what Marvel characters look like in in mm-hmm. comics where you're like oh yeah that looks like a Marvel thing, um so the Millennium Falcon takes off this space battle above Tatooine which is very yellow. Uh, of course, because it is a yellow planet.
0: Uh, <laughs> of course, the yellow planet. John. Yeah,
1: the. <laughs> uh, where are we going? Uh, do you guys know where the yellow the, the yellow planet is? Because that's where everybody's going. Oh, you
0: mean Tatooine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yellow planet. Um, but I have a I have some
1: weird stuff. Number one, these star destroyers banking turns, man. <laughs>
0: Hitting those hard ninety degree turns like Star Destroyers can do—you
1: <laughs> don't see that too often—and uh, they're all trailing this pink smoke, which is weird too. Uh,
0: I, I really want to see a somebody hijack a Star Destroyer and drift that thing into a hard banking oh, turn. I would
1: love that. And actually, if you read Colin Trevorrow's script for Star Wars Episode Nine, that kind of happens.
0: I can't talk about. <laughs> duel of the fates john it just makes me sad it makes me
1: sad too but that's kind of the whole opening sequence is stealing the star destroyer and taking it for a ride
0: but i also want to talk about the complete
1: lack of detail under the millennium falcon and once again they don't have the design so it's more like flying saucer kind of here
0: yeah, and again, I think flat, uh, drawing all of the excessive detail that they might even actually possess is probably not something they're willing to commit time to. No, it's us. so
1: interesting because once again, reading Star Wars comics today, it's all ingrained in us because everybody making them has grown up with them, so every detail is so lovingly recreated.
0: Uh, I do think one speaking of like very intricate details, though. If we get a scene here inside the Millennium Falcon cockpit and there is a precise detail that really didn't become important until down the stretch here in the Disney era, and those are the dice that are hanging in the cockpit, they're here.
1: just like normal earth dice, but but still, that they put that in there is very interesting to me, especially as someone who, yes, drives around with those dice hanging from the rearview mirror of my car. So, sure, yeah, because <laughs> I'm a nerd. Uh, we're doing the Star Wars pod, uh, Star Wars comics podcast. Once again, don't need to talk about nerd bone. I
0: think it's fine, John. Yeah. My, my license plate cover says toy Yoda. Yeah. So, uh, we're, we're on even footing there. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we both got a bunch of dumb nerd stuff on our car. Um, but once again, Chewie, just so many crazy catchphrases. Now we got a cronk.
0: Oh, the classic cronk. That is uh, a, words of wisdom in tree Wook.
1: And, uh, you talk about the inconsistency. Pretty good Harrison Ford likeness on this close-up. I don't know who the guy in the next panel is.
0: Oh, you don't recognize uh, famed character actor Jimmy Stewart in this last panel?
1: Well, we're gonna well, well, we're gonna jump to light speed, everybody. Uh <laughs> doesn't that look like Jimmy Stewart? It does. It looks like Jimmy Stewart with a 70s wig on.
0: Yeah,
1: Joey. <laughs> let's uh let's get out of here before the Empire catches us. Uh, man, you know he was still alive and acting at this point. How come Jimmy Stewart didn't end up in Star Wars? <laughs> right, with
0: him. uh, self respect, I think is the answer. You
1: know, I mean, at the time, it wasn't a sweet gig exactly. I mean, they right they really convinced Guinness and stuff. Kuching was on board, obviously, but he was a schlock
0: yeah yeah he was a hammer actor so (laughs) uh uh yeah Uh, but then we get this next page we get uh the as the the empire is chasing them down we have our we need to make the jump to hyperspace everybody strap in ain't like dustin crop's boy i like that that line is still in here
1: and we're back and forth between the han and the jimmy stewart again and then this weird, the last panel here where they're losing the deflector shield and a Han going, ah! and a pissed off yeah. Skywalker once again.
0: Yeah, Luke, this is another scene in the Star Wars drinking game where it's like, if Luke whining about stuff is all over the scene, it's like, what's that? What's those? What does this button do? And Han just being like, shut the fuck
1: up. But somehow... <laughs> The people at Marvel have interpreted that whining to be, this character is furious most of the movie.
0: Again, big problem with uh, flat text, the tone of voice is not conveyed. It's
1: just, I just like the idea there's a warning light and Luke would be like,
0: what's that? And famously, George Lucas, not an amazing director when it comes to uh, uh-huh. giving people direction oh. with emotional stakes.
1: No, he was very <laughs> in-depth about that.
0: Uh, faster and more intense, I believe, is his constant refrain. He
1: once told Eric before, just say what's on the page. Um, <laughs> what, how am I feeling about this? It, just say the words. Um, uh.
0: Yeah, a lot of Dutch angles going on in this, Dutch uh, page.
1: Angles. Very much so. The directors of Batman 66 got a hold of this somehow. Um. <laughs>
0: I think it's meant to convey the, like, oh, we're tumbling through space, but the fact that all the bodies are standing perfectly still and not bracing themselves on anything uh, really belays that motion. Get to
1: the next page, because talk about bracing something. Look at this 3PO pose.
0: Yeah, 3PO's uh, tumbling head over heels. Meanwhile, Obi-Wan's sitting there like, it's no big deal. I've been through worse. Uh, As we make the jump to uh, to hyperspace, in the most (laughs) <laughs> Disco-tastic Yeah, here we go,
1: man. It's crazy. Um, also, we get R2 going. Beep-a-deep. Beep-a-deep.
0: deep, beep beep beep
1: Yeah, and, and then there's rainbow-colored Jump to Hyperspace. And gregoni next issue, Out of Hyperspace and into the Death Star
0: right wait, wait, so here it's the death Star but earlier it's just death Star yeah,
1: they don't know what it's they I think it's beyond the 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 things that are obviously different in the movie the just lack of attention to detail in a Marvel comic is so is so interesting to read It's certainly like some comics got more time and and love in them than others did but it is just like there's so the inconsistency within this. It just shows they're like, we just need this to get out, man. I don't know what to tell you. This was no one.
0: There, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And obviously we are nearing the halfway point of the, the saga of this first movie. So we, next time, who knows what might happen? We might actually get onto the Death Star, a certain beloved. Uh,
1: You're it says we're going to be uh, into the Death Star. So,
0: Oh, into the Death Star. I mean, who knows what that could involve. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know, man. I hope things go well when they're on the Death Star. That's all I hope. Yeah,
0: so long as they don't go down into any trash compactors, I think we should be Oh, that'd
1: be too scary for me. I don't think I can handle that. (laughs) (laughs) I also, gee, I hope nothing happens to Obi-Wan. I really like that guy.
0: Yeah, so we are still right in the middle of A New Hope. We have about four more issues left before we get out into the truly bizarre stuff. I thought,
1: as I finish this, I go... How are they going to crank it up? I don't feel like they're, uh, you know, was it uh, a third of the way through the movie. I feel like they're more than that at this point. But we're going to slow it down, I think.
0: John, I know you're not a huge manga fan, but there is a term that we uh, in the appreciators of uh, Japanese comic book art form have come to loathe, and that is the word filler and we shall approach some filler here in the near days, I mean, yeah. but will it will make for good discussion, I think. Uh,
1: but yeah, there's, there's <laughs> issue two of the original Star Wars comic book.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next time with issue three, what will happen to those crazy kids as they enter into the Death Star. Yeah. Uh, but until then, I have been Mike Ergoni. And I am John Campbell. And may the panel be with you.